It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. This is Odyssey's 49ers web zone No Huddle Podcast. I am Al Sacco along with Brian Reddick and Zane Knockby. We got a huge game coming up. NFC Championship. Cannot wait. Cannot wait to break this down with you guys. Cannot wait to watch the game. Cannot wait to get into it all. And we're going to do that. We're going to preview the game. But guys, I wanted to start out. Award nominations came out today. And the Niners are all over the place here. And I thought we could kind of take a look at these and just kind of see, like, look at the field and see what we think and see how many of these awards we think the Niners could actually win. And I wanted to start with, let's start with coach of the year, I guess. And the five finalists are Nick Sirianni, Kyle Shanahan, Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, and Doug Peterson. I think that Dable might win, although as great of a year as he had, he they finished two, five, and one. This is an award, if it were me, call me a homer. He's gone through three different quarterbacks. He went 13 and four. It is a regular season award. I would pick Shanahan here. I think Dable is gonna win, but I would go with I would go with Kyle. Matthew Barry uh, made a really good point on the timeline this morning, and I, I didn't think of it this way. And you look at these coaches, right? And and you kind of think a lot of times the coach that wins it is the coach that turns around a team that either A, was shitty last year and, and good this year, or or B, uh, was just supremely better than, than everybody else, um, or C, you know, had a, a prediction of a low win total this season and they exceeded that. And... The reality is, if we're talking about coaches who exceeded win total, the most impressive coach was Pete Carroll. Uh, the the Seahawks, the Seahawks mm-hmm. Vegas over under was five games, I believe, and they won ten or nine, regardless. Nine or four, yeah. yeah, so four games better than than they were anticipated uh, to to start the season. And and Vegas, you know, we're talking about gambling, but at the same time. They tend to be pretty spot on with with a lot of their a lot of their their bets and odds and things like that. The Giants were the Giants over under for win total was seven and they won nine. So they were two better than than what they were predicted, which to me doesn't doesn't scream coach of the year on top of the two five and one finish that that Dable had. And so then you look at all right, well, which team won the most games and that goes to the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Sirianni. But then you compare Sirianni to Shanahan. Sirianni won one more game. Okay. One more game than Shanahan. And Sirianni went 0 and 2 with his backup quarterback when Jalen Hurts got injured. Kyle Shanahan went 13 and 3 with Mm. his QB two and then QB three, right? Uh, And his QB three was a a rookie seventh round pick, last pick in the NFL draft. And so seven and zero with him. I think, yeah, and he and they went, yeah, and they went or six, yeah, six and zero to finish the season, five and zero in his starts, six being that that Miami game. These are regular season awards, but if you look at it, you know, I I think Dayball probably will get it, but but I genuinely think without being a homer that. The best coaching job, hands down, is Kyle Shanahan. When he didn't get it in 2019, it was it was a travesty because they went from 
basically number two, three overall pick to going into the Super Bowl. And, and, I, and I think that that taught me a lot about how the uh, evaluators look at this and, and what sort of narratives they put out and what they pay attention to. I think that there is a level of bias that's involved in it. And I'm not, I'm not whining or complaining about it. Like there's a level of bias involved in, in every single evaluation process, right? I don't care who you are. When you evaluate, whether you're evaluating an employee in an interview or you're evaluating a football player, whatever it is, there's certain things that resonate with you as an evaluator that you put more weight on. And I think that with, when it comes to Kyle, the work that he's done, if he loses out on this, it's because people put more weight on other things like the number, being the number one seed, for example, in Philadelphia or the Giants with Brian Dable being in a bigger market. Everybody's everybody's always been hoping for the Giants to be good. And, and they were this year, finally. And the Daniel Jones reclamation project and all of that stuff too. But to me, I think that the reason why Kyle should get it is for the reasons that you stated. Who is going to succeed in that situation with their third string quarterback who's a rookie who has never taken a snap in the NFL? Like there's differences between that. Josh Johnson was a third string quarterback at one point too, but he's taken snaps in the NFL. He's a veteran. He's been in the league for over 10 years. There's a difference between even that situation and what Kyle has dealt with. And what Kyle has dealt with has been much more extreme. In addition to that, he's dealt with other layers of attrition on his team, injuries to the running backs, injuries to the receivers, injuries along his line, like all of that coupled with the work that he Purdy. They've got three new starters on the offensive line this year, and they, they've been better than they were last year. Like that's one of my things about, and, and I want to get into it later, about this year's team is that they had a worse team last year and they went just as far. So he's taken that and next, the next step up, and how can you ignore that? How can you say that this guy hasn't done the best job in the league all year with all of those circumstances? By the way, the uh, 49ers preseason win total in Vegas was 10. So Kyle Shanahan exceeded that by three with QB2 and QB3. Brian Dable only exceeded his by two. So I think that when you look at those, those numbers as well, once you get up over 10 wins, every successive win is harder to get because you're playing that at that point. Like to me, it's easier to go from you know, three wins to seven wins than it is from to go from 10 to 13 wins, if that makes sense. Well, and let's not forget a 10 game winning streak to end the season. Yeah, <laughs> there's exactly. also which that, is still, which is there's still also going. that we'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next award was is offensive rookie of the year where the Niners are represented. And this was surprising to me because Kenneth Walker is there. Not surprised about that. Garrett Wilson is there. I thought Chris Olave was going to be the third person. And if you look at Olave and Wilson's stats, Garrett Wilson in 17 games, 83 catches, 1,103 yards, four TDs. Chris Olave, 72 catches, 1,042 yards, four TDs in, in 15 games. But 15 games, Chris yeah. Olave does not make the cut. One Brock Purdy does. And are you surprised by that? Well, listen, if he didn't qualify because he didn't have enough attempts, but Purdy would have led the league in QB rating, 107.3. TD percentage, 7.6. Yards per attempt, he would have been second at 8.1. His QBR of 65.5 would have been fifth. His completion percentage at 67% would have been seventh. And he was statistically one of the best QBs in the NFL for a third of the season. So can Chris Olave fans be upset? Maybe. But our man's there. I do not think he's going to win, though. I think Garrett Wilson will win this award. I, I practiced this already on the timeline. Uh, I think it was last week. The athletic football show with Robert Mays and, and Nate Tice uh, put out their end of season awards episode, and they talked about uh, offensive rookie of the year. And again, it's just those two. 
uh, and they don't have votes. But it, within the 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 conversation, they basically said we didn't even consider Brock Purdy based on the number of games that he played. And so I actually tweeted at them and I said, counterpoint, right? Purdy only played six games, but the impact that he had was significantly greater than either one of those two players that they that they were arguing, which was Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And I, to be fair, I said that Wilson and Olave didn't do anything impressive. Nate Tice quote tweeted me, put me in my place. I said, fair enough. That was probably too strong a language. Chris Olave, if you look at his, I think it was, uh, I can't remember what stat he he put out there, but um, it was, you know, and it was an advanced metric, but it was essentially the best rookie season outside of, I think it was like OBJ and Jamar Chase or something like that. Here's the thing. <clears throat> We're talking now with three, the, the three finalists with being Brock Purdy, Kenneth Walker, and, and Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson had over a thousand yards, right? Kudos to him, but he also did it in 17 games and it was barely over seven, over a thousand yards. Garrett Wilson had five games where he had 30, less than 30 receiving yards in the entire game, five of them. And he had thank 15 you, games. Huh? That's, thank you, Zach. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then he had 15 games where he didn't score a touchdown. So his four touchdowns came in two games and each game he scored two touchdowns. So counting stats wise is a thousand yards impressive. Sure. Sure. Um, did he have the kind of level of impact that Brock Purdy had even in his 17 games versus Brock Purdy's six games or five starts and, and, and six games of play? Absolutely not. And so if this, if this award is about impact, impact, you know, who had the biggest impact, you can't argue that it's anybody but Brock Purdy. And so do I think he's going to win it? Like you, Al, I don't. I, you know, I, I think too many people are going to say he hasn't played enough. But what I appreciate is that he's at least being considered because I, I think I think he at least deserved that. Yeah, I feel like when you get into things like this, look, Garrett Wilson was a first round pick. Kenneth Walker was a second round pick. Rock Purdy, as we know, last pick in the draft, right? It's been it's been discussed ad nauseum right now. But I think that your draft position doesn't necessarily dictate what your career arc is going to be because we've seen plenty of first round picks fail. Solomon Thomas, Ruben Foster, we've seen plenty of them fail here. But when you are drafted at that level, I feel like there the expectations on you are much different because you have the talent that justifies that. Now, should Brock Purdy have been drafted in the seventh round based on what we've seen on, on film? No, I feel like if they were to redo that, he gets drafted much earlier. But that being said, we have to look at the whole picture here in the context and the, ex the expectations that are put on these rookies as they come into the league. And I feel like what the, the job that Brock Purdy has done at the most important position in sports in an offense that was filled with playmakers that that needed some sort of direction that was was stalling, frankly, under under Jimmy Garoppolo. The work that he has done to bring them to where they are at, scoring over 30 points a game, going undefeated down the stretch, looking like a veteran in the playoffs. Those are intangible things that won't show up on a ballot for rookie of the year, but those are super important things. So what I say is that Kenneth Walker, Garrett Wilson can keep the rookie of the year. Brock Purdy can keep the Super Bowl trophy. And that's what I say. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go.